Check, check. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Ethereal Aquilarian Podcast. Episode number six. Yes. Hope everyone's doing well out there. We are doing a live stream right now, I believe so. Can we uh, make sure we could see the comments? Yes. Still figuring this thing out, but uh, seems like it's coming along. Got a few things to talk about today. Kind of following up with the uh, last video. Just thought we'd uh, tap in. Yeah, we got a lot to go over today. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I wanted to look something up. I thought you were doing something there. I was trying to figure out our live stream is actually streaming. <laughs> so we had the uh, Conservative Politi Political Action Conference, uh, CPAC, just a couple days ago. Um, a lot of the conservatives spoke out uh, against the illegal immigration, um, the ongoing border issues, uh, the treasonous government that we have um in the White House at the moment, and it's just been pretty interesting to see it all unfold. Um, we're going to share a few clips of that. Also, the uh, El Salvadorian uh, president, I believe his name is President Berkey. I forget his first name. Um, he gave a great speech, and he was talking about uh, a lot of the stuff we mentioned in the last episode. His name is uh, President Burkell. That's what it is. Burkell. Um, Nayib Burkell received a rock star welcome Thursday at a conservative gathering outside Washington as he urged people to unapologetically fight against what he called dark forces. At the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, Burkell told people to use El Salvador as a warning. The president of El Salvador also lashed out at George Soros and global elites for in influencing public policies and laws in the United States. Thought it was pretty interesting because I talked about him on the last ep episode not knowing he was going to be speaking at this uh, event, uh, this annual event, and he gave quite an amazing speech where he called out the global, the globalist, the globalist agenda. Um, he basically called out the Federal Reserve and, you know, the American uh, financial uh, institutions that have basically had this country under, this, under siege since the early 1900s, um, the Federal Reserve, I believe, since 1914. So we're going to talk about that a little bit and uh, just kind of see where we go with this, kind of shooting from the hip once again, as usual. And, uh, yeah, let's see where should we begin. editing going on here apparently you want to check this out yeah okay. start okay. with uh president Nayib Burkel you good to go right here yeah
Why does he who elected Soros? Yeah. They pay public policy and laws. Why? Why does he feel entitled to impose his agenda? The global elites, they hate our success, and they fear yours. Institutions were created to serve the people, not the other way around. Well, so if the government can print the limited amounts of money, why did they collect taxes? You pay high taxes only to uphold the illusion that you are funding the government, which you are not. The government is funded by money printing, paper backed with paper. Confidence in your currency will be lost. The dollar will fall, and the Western civilization with it. We transform El Salvador from the most dangerous country in the world to the safest in the Western Hemisphere. international community, the NGOs, and of course the fake news, just like it happened here in the United States. Un unelected bureaucrats are trying to instate public policy. Who elected them? They don't have a democratic mandate. If they want a seat in the table, they should run for office. Exactly. Let the people vote. It will not be a pretty sight for them if the elections are free and fair. I mean, who elected Soros to dictate public policy and laws? Why, why does he feel entitled to impose his agenda? Let me tell you something. Soros and his cronies hit a brick wall in El Salvador. Thank God, thank God, another glory be to him. Salvadorans are now immune to his influence. No one believes his lies anymore over there. We just had, we just had free and fair elections. And we won in a landslide with more than 84% of the vote. Let that sink in. More than 84% of the people voted to continue our policies. Our victory is unprecedented in the history and modern democracies in the world. They also gave us a supermajority in Congress, more than that, 54 seats out of 60. Fifty-seven, if we count our allies. That's that's ninety-five percent of Congress. Let that also sink in. The people of El Salvador have woken up, and so can you. The global elites, they hate our success and they fear yours. The people's free will to choose their leaders is something they despise because they cannot control that. Mm. You have experienced this firsthand here in the United States. 
The global elites control the mainstream media. They finance campaigns. District attorneys, to mention a few. They abuse their powers. They persecute political opponents. In El Salvador, we don't weaponize our judicial system to persecute our political opponents. A practice that may sound familiar to you, but we don't do that there. And who's the dictator? The global elites, the global elites in the media, they work in conjunction, they run some stories and publish them, same pictures to reinforce their agendas. You're no strangers to that here in the United States. We deal with that in El Salvador too. That is the free press that they talk about? Great. I always criticize the defenders of institutionalism. Not because I don't think strong institutions are paramount and necessary for a democracy, but because I find them very hypocritical. They don't seem to have the same standards for themselves as they are trying to impose on others. But there's yet another component that is more dangerous than a simple double standard. Institutions were created to serve the people and not the other way around. Yes, sir. For instance, the financial situation of the United States. Mm. When I talk to my conservative friends right here, they always tell me that the problem is high taxes. But they're wrong. Of course, high taxes are extremely high here in the United States. I, I give you that. You're right in that. But th that's not the real problem. The real problem is not the high taxes themselves, but the fact that they are not even really funding the government. <laughs> but even those high taxes, higher than a lot of places in the world, but even those taxes are really funding the government. So who's financing the government? They're just printing money. Government is financed by treasury bonds. Paper. And who buys the treasury bonds? Mostly the Fed. And how does the Fed buy them? By printing money. Right. But what backing does the Fed have Absolutely. for that money being printed? The treasury bonds themselves. So basically, you finance the government by printing money out of thin air. Someone could ask, someone could ask, well, so if the government can print the limited amounts of money out of thin air, why did they collect taxes? It's theft to keep us in poverty. Absolutely. It's terrible. I mean, in theory, it would make sense, right? If they can print unlimited amounts of money, why would they need taxes for it? The answer is simple, but it's very shocking. The real problem is that you pay high taxes only to uphold the illusion that you are funding the government, which you are not. It's an illusion. It's shocking, but it's true. The government is funded by money printing, hmm. paper backed with paper. 
a bubble that will inevitably burst. The situation is even worse than it seems, because if most Americans and the rest of the world were to become aware of this farce, confidence in your currency would be lost, the dollar would fall, and the Western civilization with it. If the next president of the United States doesn't make the necessary policies and structural changes, sooner or later that bubble will burst. Does there's the president time, even have the ability to do to that, though? Because they're so controlled by these people who also own the printers. Well, that's the thing. The Right now, the fact that, um, like I've been saying for a while, we're never going to have a, a real election until we take back the media. Right. Because the media props up these two, you know, um, actors, I should say, yeah. and makes us choose from the lesser of two evil. Right. And right now they want to keep us distracted and divided. And that's what they're doing with Trump and Biden, I believe, you know, like and right. Trump has apparently just been like a pressure release valve to yeah. make people think that, you know, he's looking out for people like like myself, some like kind of American in their mind. patriots, blue collar Americans that um, he's he has our best interest at heart when he proved to us the first first time around that um, he didn't really keep his word on a lot of things, basically. But there are a right. lot of factors in that, that, um, you know, he has all these people against him. He's fighting this uphill battle. Um, right now, they're trying to take him down, assassinate his character, use the judicial system against him, as he was saying in the beginning. He didn't necessarily endorse Trump, but he did mention the fact that that's what they've been doing to him. Um, right. So, you know, and also, like, these people will, like, tiptoe around it, but they don't want to name the real purpose perpetrators of this like we know who controls the news we know who controls the media but you're not allowed to say it otherwise they're going to call you anti-semitic right well that's 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 where my question comes in is mm -hmm. it's i i know there's maybe not an uh, immediate exact answer mm -hmm. but um this president bukele from el salvador is saying that if the next president doesn't do this mm -hmm. but my question is can the president even do that so what is, what even is the answer to fixing this this fraudulent uh, setup of America system? Yeah, well, system. Yeah, it comes down to taking it back, and a lot of people believe that Trump is that person to do that. Right. But I don't think he is because until we have somebody who's willing to uh, to name those people and right. to come out and say these things like Brickelli's. He's right. saying things that none of these politicians are have even, even had the courage to speak about. To. You know what I'm saying? But I think that that it it's gonna have to be the majority of the people of the United States mm -hmm. are gonna have to have so much confidence in speaking out on these things. Absolutely. That the that the elected politicians are going to feel comfortable in going against this. Right. Because they have all these Americans to back it up. Yeah, and but if you, so many Americans don't even know this. Right. Well, if you look throughout history, what happens to the parents, the the people, and the presidents who have had that influence upon the masses, and when they do start speaking out against these things, you you see what happens to them. Right. They get assassinated. Exactly. You know. So. But it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Is, wow, like, uh, it has to go to such an extremity right. for things to truly, truly change. Yeah.
now so more than ever. And right. that's why they are so afraid. That's why they have people doing prison time who didn't even go on January 6th telling, like, sending right, the message they, out, they like, don't even think people. about right. Right, coming right. and, you know, fighting for your country on, on this premise, you know. Right, we'll the, take your money away, we'll take you away from your family. Right, and look at what they did to Kanye and other people who speak out against these people. Right. Who, you know, have infiltrated our, our country. Um, but, you know, this is a good start here, just waking as many people up to this stuff, how he's, like I said, tiptoeing around it. But once you look deeper into this stuff and you you find out who the, you know, people who created this system, this financial system, this banking cartel, who they are. Right. Um, you know, it's it's not hard. And it's just then you find out that this is just a cyclical as far as how many times it's happened throughout history. Right. So, you know, 110 times if I get kicked out of a bar and I tell you, these people are, and I tell you, like, yeah, these people kicked me out of the bar last night, do you, and you know that I've been kicked out of 110 bars before that. Who do you think is at fault there? Right. So, yeah, there's that example. But I know, I know your question is a tough one to answer, but it's gonna take someone coming into power with enough backing from we the people, and also a cabinet or, um, you know, a team. That's also those that's, same values. And and willing right. to sacrifice and lose it all right. and in order to fight and save this country. And I really hope that that's Trump, but you know, I don't I don't I don't believe so. Not not after the first term in in which he didn't keep so many of his promises, but at least he is waking more people up to what's going on. Yeah. And there is that accelerationist mentality where they think that everything has to collapse before it can come back together right and right. and that is a set in a in a sense what happened in el salvador it was the murder capital of the world right you know? it had to go to absolute shit mm -hmm. and some some people look at Berkeley as a dictator you mm -hmm. know I, I mean i've only watched a couple of videos about him i haven't dug too far into it but just you know coincidentally i was you know looking i was just doing a little bit of uh research on him and watching some of these documentaries about him in that last one and and I, th I was amazed at how he revived his country right and the fact that he's speaking at this um uh, event and he's mentioning these things it's like it's it's pretty it's it's incredible isn't and it isn't it wild I'm how excited to see it how a president from a different country can speak so much truth on america yeah where probably so many americans don't know this yeah. Just to repeat myself, but <laughs> right, isn't that wild? And and if they do know it, they're too pussy to talk about it. That's why they call them yeah. conservatives, you know. Yeah, or they're and, just uh, comfortable living in their la la land. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yep. Eyes wide shut. <laughs> yeah. And it's like these people don't have to face the realities that the average American faces. These people. Who are like puppets, you know, in, right. in the puppet show? These politicians who yeah, reach these high levels of government, they get there and then they they're afraid of ever falling back to normalcy and right. to having to be that blue collar. As much as they want to pretend to represent that blue collar American and um, act like they understand the the values and that they're fighting for them, at the end of the day, they're just trying to protect their own like um, status, their own, you know. Right. Seat, their own chair. So. Right. You know, it's a, 
it's an interesting time we're living in and i'm just enjoying enjoying the show you know and and trying <laughs> yeah. to fight for for my country the only ways that i know how and that's speaking out against the lies and you know speaking my truth and doing things like this to share it with as many people as possible right absolutely Yes, yeah, I mean, we can only really see where where, the, where it all ends up, right? Yeah, and that was a great point that he made. I don't know if they're going to show it in this one, but you see how horrible it is right now in this country. Imagine where it's going to be in the next five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead yeah. and continue. He's going to be a big change. Absolutely. Mistakes we did in the 60s and the 70s. You can still jump before the water boils. Winning the election isn't enough to solve these problems. They will not simply go away as a consequence of an electoral result. Mm -hmm. It will take a total re-engineering of the government, top to bottom. It will entail making difficult decisions, top like the bottom. ones we made in El Salvador since 2019, and they're already paying off. Yeah, he knows it about will be it. will hard. <laughs> the system will push back. But you have the right to determine your own fate. I mean, speaking of people looking at him as a dictator, people also look at other people in history as these awful dictators right. when they were actually just trying to save their country. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. I'm all for someone coming in mm -hmm. and flipping the table to make it better. <laughs> to some, he's a dictator, but to the majority, he's a hero. You know, like right. if you watch the beginning of his speech, they were. They cheered him on for like five minutes straight, you know. Yeah. And this is in America, and you see the reception he receives in El Salvador. When I was watching the documentaries and how grateful they are for him for yeah. making their country a safe place, I was reading some of the comments, and there's people in America who are from El Salvador but came here, and now they want to go back to El Salvador. Yeah, because they they probably really did flee because it was the murder capital. <laughs> exactly. So. And he did it. What he did, what needed to be done. Mexico should really be taking notes from this right. guy, you right? Know? And uh, America as well. And like you were talking about earlier, like all these people who have been demonized um, for coming into power and doing what needed to be done. Um, it's similar. Like in our country, these people who these leftist extremists who are anti-American, who are okay with this treasonous government, like they are enemies. Of the state right and they would have you know during the whole covid thing like they were talking about putting us people who wanted to just have our freedom they they talked about putting us in camps and how they wanted us to die and they wished death upon us like you know I, I hope you catch covid and die like not that i you know ever believed in that but these people were so deep in that and, like and had such a hatred the the trump derangement system is uh, syndrome is like next level and it's it's like it's unbelievable but it's so apparent in so many people and these people really need help right it, everything is pretty ass backwards nowadays right i mean every angle you look at it's 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 nonsensical you know by design that's uh an right. in inversion of natural order and inv an inversion of truth and that's the that's the work of satan absolutely himself. and you could see it in these people yeah definitely 
when you when you just try to have a civil conversation with these people, they just about lose their minds. When you have anything, um, you know, that goes against their um, agenda or their um, programming, essentially. Right, right. Whether it's COVID or trans ideology mm-hmm. or things that are destroying our country. Everything that's the epitome of, yeah. you know. It's, destroying this country, yeah. It's cool how he puts things in such simple, like terms. You know, he, he gets, he makes great points, and it seems so like direct. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I hope a lot of people um, can can see this and maybe have their minds opened. You know. Right, and I encourage you guys to go watch this full video, but we'll finish this last uh, couple minutes. Salvadorans did the same. The decision for the direction of our nation was ours, and it continues to be ours. We didn't tolerate being told what to do. In doing so, we did the unthinkable. Against all adversity, we transformed El Salvador from the most dangerous country in the world to the safest in the Western Hemisphere. We did it by defying the global elites. Hmm. We told them no more. And that is my message to you. Put up the fight, because it is, in the end, it will be worth it. Amen. I think what makes it so hard for America, too, mm-hmm. is it's basically 50 little countries all together. Exactly. You know? Right. And the mindsets in each of these states are so unaligned with each other. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really is hard for us to all come together and say, hey, as a country, we need to fix these things and change it on a broad level. Mm-hmm. But it's not impossible. <laughs> no, not at all. And what a time to be alive, you know? Isn't it? I'm here for it. Me as well. This is a uh, funny little clip I'm going to play here. Check this out. Let me um, make sure it'll play first. Kind of like I was just saying right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Let me uh, fix it so it's... Oh, you got it. Yeah. This is how it feels sometimes when you try talking to these people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. One more time. (laughs) Like, hey, um, so what do you think about, you know, children being able to uh, have these procedures where these life-altering procedures without parental consent, um, you know, what do you think about that? Children not being allowed to get tattoos, yet they can go have these surgeries. What do you think about that, sir? (laughs) That's horrible. That is... So what do you think about Biden's border policy, sir? Let me know what you think. 
Or how about um, the I fact have nightmares. that? <laughs> hey, sir, you know there are only two genders. You know, can you can you uh, can you please explain to me what a woman is? <laughs> so, what do you think about uh, males being able to compete in in women's sports? Yeah. How many COVID jobs have you had? <laughs> <laughs> you get the point. <laughs> Here's another cool clip from uh, clip from uh, Nick Fuentes. I get kind of a uh, cuck vibes from this dude, but uh, he made a great point here. Check this out. Like if you're if you're a retard conservative and you are schizophrenic and believe any conspiracy theory, the sky is the limit. You could go to a Trump rally and say, hey, guys, I think it's lizards. I think it's literally reptilian humanoids that take on a human form through shape shifting. They are born on Mars and they have come here and they operate in deep underground military bases. They're descended from Nephilim or the serpent. And like conservatives would be like, mm hmm. I believe it. Mm -hmm. You're damn right. You know, but if you go to a Trump rally and say Jews control America, they'll be like, did this did this SJW graduate from Harvard? Get the fuck out of here. What? So you believe it's literally aliens, but you don't think it's plausible that it's Jews? Larry Fink runs BlackRock. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Right on the head. They're just really smart people. And, and the same as oh we should we should have endless amounts of uh, genders and all this is plausible but right yeah. <laughs> um yeah there was another one I accidentally um oh yeah there we go this was another good one um, another historic record. A record number of known suspected terrorists being arrested coming across the border. Another historic record. So Biden's policies are killing migrants at record numbers. What's up? It's killing Americans at record numbers. This administration at all levels is disgusting on what they did to our national security. I want people to know this isn't just about illegal immigration anymore. I don't care what your opinion is on illegal immigration. When you cause a crisis this big. Might go back a little bit. 31%. So when President Trump. You know, your, 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 your policies are inhumane. Well, let me tell you something. There's a great point in this right here. Who came in office and unsafe every day because this administration, Joe Biden's the first president in the history of this nation who came in office and unsecured border on purpose. And people want to say that the past administration, the Trump administration, you know, Trump, Holman, you're all, you know, again, racist, you, you know, your, 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 your policies are inhumane. Well, let me tell you something. President Trump had illegal immigration down to the 45-year low. Illegal immigration was down 83 to 90%. Doctors of all borders did a study. They, they, they estimated that 31% of women they talked to were sexually assaulted making that journey. That's who admitted 31 cents, 31%. So when President Trump had 90% less people coming, how many women weren't being raped? How many, how, many, how many aliens didn't die crossing the border? How many children didn't drown in the river? How many women and children weren't sex trafficked in the United States? How many pounds of fentanyl didn't make it into the United States because the border was secure? How many known suspected terrorists didn't cross the border because the border was secure? President Trump's policies saved lives. Under this administration, you want to say they're, they're the most humane. They say, well, the Biden administration, we're about humanity, we're more humane. Okay, let's look at the record. 
Since Biden's been in office, we've got over 1,700 dead migrants across the border. An historic record. 112,000 dead Americans from fentanyl poisonings. My first dead body that I saw in person yeah. was at the border from someone who drowned. Another historic record. 600% increase in sex trafficking of women and children. Another historic record. A record number of known suspected terrorists being arrested coming across the border. Another historic record. So Biden's policies are killing migrants at record numbers. It's killing Americans at record numbers. This administration at all levels is disgusting on what they did to our national security. I want people to know this isn't just about illegal immigration anymore. I don't care what your opinion is on illegal immigration. When you cause a crisis this big on purpose. Mm. It's a dereliction of duty. It's the biggest of the national security the threat this nation's ever had. And, 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 this is, and this is for kind of the, the, the media members it. that are in attendance or that are watching. I love how the crowd member shouted out, it's treason. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great point he made. Like, I know we went back and forth a little bit talking about Trump. Uh, you know, I mentioned how he seems to just be a pressure release valve. But in this great um, show and, and in these actors, if you're like supporting Biden, you're really supporting the bad guy in, in this and like the pure evil, because at mm -hmm. least Trump is like, you know, playing the role of somebody who does have our best interest at heart. And I feel like enough people are like, you know, really waking up to that fact. And yeah, they're really poking at the line. And, you know, that's the thing about the Aryan spirit is that we may, there may be more hyenas, but you only need a couple lines. Yeah. You know, to run shit and, and to take this back. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, the, cra the crazy thing is, too, is he's, he's not just allowing the border to be open. He's mm -hmm. saying, come here, and we're going to house you and feed you and and set all this up, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, come on. Incentivize. And we're, and we're just going to let hundreds of thousands of Americans struggle in this day and age? Right. Yeah, check, like, it's like this. Welcome to America. 2024, where we give prepaid debit cards and free housing to illegal aliens, send billions to foreign countries without receiving anything in return, and allow globalist bureaucrats to dictate how we run our country. Yeah, enough is enough. And people are still waking up in February 2024, and they want to vote for Biden. Yeah, it's Trump derangement syndrome at this point. Anybody who's who believes that is out of their fucking minds. Right. But, I mean, I, I say that just saying that those kind of people, mm -hmm. clearly their mindset and, and view on America is so jaded by whatever they've been indoctrinated by. Right. For them to not see through any... Any of it. Yeah, that's some crazy programming. Isn't it? Yeah. Mass, a mass invasion of a country is an act of war. Abandoning border security is an act of treason. Yeah, and it's not just America. You know, this stuff's going on all over the place. And as much as they want to, you know, paint white people out to be these colonizers and all this stuff, like, we've reached a point where our kindness and empathy for human beings and... Um, sincerity and, you know, openness has led us to where 
we've let these people um, basically start to replace us and overrun us in our own homelands, you know? Right. And there's too many people who are in positions of power who have no business there, so... That's why at one time there was a caste system. Yeah. And there was nat there was order. There was natural order, natural law. There was those who defended it and those who um, protected it and who taught the masses how to live. Right. I think it comes down to that there's just so many people who are scared of being called racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the R word. They're just like, all right, I guess the border should be open and we should just have everyone from these third world countries come here. Right. And they act like only white people can be racist. And that that seems to be the case. Like These people, every, any, everyone could be racist towards white people, but anytime white people have pride in their own culture and point out, notice patterns, and it's like comes across as this whole like hateful thing, like, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm just done with it. I don't. I can't, I can't even. It's hard to even put into words now. I can't. Can't. Uh, I don't. I hate to like, just harp on it. But you know, just to reiterate, like, there's zero white guilt, and I don't see anything wrong with being racially aware. But if you want to paint this, you know, use racist as a term of like calling somebody this, like condescending word you know right as a negative thing then that's that's your understanding of it mine is something totally different right and when i say that is when i say like all oh, people are so scared of being called racist right i just mean like what what people deem as racist right in this country exactly. they're so scared of being called a word yeah. that they won't even s- stand up for their their country's like true values yeah you know i didn't mean you i just mean no i know i just mean to also like iterate what i what i mean by what i said mm-hmm. is i'm on the same page as you it's like if yeah. that's if that's what people think of it as and then they're scared of that <laughs> yeah. yeah it's almost like the the nazi word if you want to call me that and that's your understanding is that the guy that the media has you know the stereotypical media design of that which is some guy with boots and red laces and face tats and a wife beater and skinhead and you know yeah bald head and who just hates like other people just solely off of the color of their skin like that's that's not what that's not what i have come to learn that it is but my thing is if somebody who wants what's best for their race for their culture for their heritage for their country for their people um and to continue like to to be able to have a family and to raise a family and you know like like that's fine go ahead and call me that like that that doesn't carry any weight with me you know right but um this is ireland which is also being um pumped full of immigration it's uh the replacement that's i mean the whole of the uk Right. England, Scotland, Ireland. Yeah. They're all being invaded. <laughs> yeah. To put it lightly. I feel very threatened. I'm afraid to go out on my own. My sons won't let me go out on my own. Ireland's anti-immigration backlash has spiraled into country. It's a ama- it's crazy that this is going on all over the world. 
after a sharp rise in the number of foreigners arriving onto its shores. Does that look familiar? Unfortunately, I think Ireland is becoming the new Sweden. Protests, arson attacks, the new Sweden anti-immigration views have transfused Irish politics with a fervor not seen since the Troubles. How long are you going to stay out here for? As long as it takes. My name's Michael Murphy, and I went to Ireland for The Telegraph to find out what Irish people make of the growing strife. I started my journey in Dublin, where hundreds of people turned out for an anti-immigration march. We're just fed up with the Irish government. We're just fed up with them. It's like a mass plantation, what they're doing here. There's so many unvetted male people being brought over to this country. And they're planting them all in around schools, parks, and we're all feeling very unsafe. We're, we're worried for our children. We cannot sustain a huge number, that, that level of, of, of foreign people living in the, within the borders of this country, many of which are living off social welfare because they're, being, because they're being attracted here because of the uh, loose welfare laws and immigration laws of the state. Look after the Irish. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Just messing around with our heads, this whole government, and I don't trust what's going on. I just want our... our I think they're puppets for other powers, the elites, you know, the who and, you know, all the rest of it, and possibly even King Charles, just uh, puppets for somebody else, and they're not caring for the own, our own people. But the Irish and the long-term homeless here from all over the world are living and sleeping in the streets. The council come and take their, their tents and burn their goods or dump them. And these people are on a housing list 20 and 30 years. But if you come in here off a plane with no passport, uh, you're safe. It's just not right. Yeah, you're put so in there. housing when call, all these people... And if anyone listen to this, call people. me what the hell you like. Little do I care. Call me what the hell you like. Little do I care. Fucking preach. Seriously. Just like we were talking about. These words carry no weight. Fuck you. Right. If you don't get it by now. If you don't know your history. Thank you. Some people have described marches like this as far I mean, right. Think, White think people are way too nice. We're way we've too been, tolerant. We've been way too tolerant. Think, think how small Ireland is. Mm. Like, come on. You've been there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a beautiful country. And it has so much heritage. And, and, that, and that's what's important as well is these nations have been their nations for so long. Why are we trying to ruin them? Mm -hmm. You know? Why can't these other people get it together in their own fucking lands, in their right. own fucking country? Have your culture. Yeah. Have your what? It, have your heritage, yeah. you know? You guys want to come party with us? You guys want to come visit Ireland? Like... Go ahead, but yeah, make by sure all means. get the fuck out when the party's over. <laughs> Have a vacation, spend your money there, <laughs> help their economy with your dollars, and leave. Right. And the same goes for Mexicans. Party's over, guys. You know, this is America now. This isn't Mexico. Time to go back to your fucking country. Can't just come here and leech off the system and send all the money back to Mexico. Meanwhile, we're over here struggling, barely able to fucking, you know, support our own selves. So. 
It's uh, despicable. So. Right. Yeah, I just... Are you far right? No. I am a concerned father. I, I have three children. I have two daughters and I have a son. Eleven, nine and seven. That's that why I'm going here. On over there, you know? I, uh, listen, just like the mainstream media don't yeah. report on what goes on really in these areas. There's kids being abducted. There's kids being assaulted. Mm. There's kids being raped. There's women being raped. And the mainstream media will not report on it. Right. To find why. out more about where the anger is coming from, I went to a traditional Irish pub in the heart of Dublin to sit down with dissident journalist Ben Scallon. The issue of immigration didn't really come up much in Irish politics. I think we're probably unique in the sense that it's been a major election issue in the UK. You get, you get the point, right? Yeah. yeah. So the replacement is going on all over the world. And uh, I, we, I just can't wait till we... Wake up. You're poking the lion. And mm -hmm. it's not going to end well for all these hyenas. Like white people have been around after all these years. You think uh, we're going to lose now? Fuck no. Here's uh, an old clip um, of Eric Dyson talking about uh, white people need to have individual reparations accounts. Um, check, give this a listen. Hi, Professor, great to see you. Good to see you, my so friend. So how would this work and why? Well, yeah, well, it's in the context, let me just briefly say, it's in the context of a much broader discussion about right. white privilege, white innocence, white American identity, and it's much more complicated than that, and I go at African-American uh, cultures, contradictions as well. And then in the end, when I'm making suggestions about what can be done, many white people approach me and ask me, what can I do? Not in terms of the broad social transformation out there in the world. We all believe in that or argue about it, redistribution of resources or not. But when people ask me, what can I as an individual do? One of the things I suggested, besides being educated, besides participating with other African-American and Latino mm. and other brothers and sisters Sorry. in social movement, is to do something called an individual Look, to check the live chat. of uh, inequality. And if they feel inclined to do so, this is for people who are so inclined to seek out a way to compensate uh, individually for what they think is a systemic injustice. So I talked about buying kids computers, um, being able to take kids to school, uh, to tutor them, to be able to do individual things that are tailored to their uh, desires and aspirations, right. such as becoming professionals, uh, exposing them to things they wouldn't ordinarily see. So in other words, it's a, a kind of ethic of compassion joined to a sense of conscience that motivates them to do what they're mo motivated to do. Well, so I support a lot of that. I mean, I believe sure. in charity. What I don't believe in is collective guilt. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm confused by the phrase white privilege. Well, white privilege doesn't suggest guilt. It suggests responsibility and accountability. The same accountability oh, responsibility. talks to no. about people pulling up themselves by their bootstraps and addressing their, 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 their situations. We're responsible their for all these other... Being responsible for doing what they're doing. I don't, I don't believe in collective guilt, but I do believe in collective responsibility. Responsibility and guilt are synonyms in this case. And no. let me just Not ask, let's be specific. Mm -hmm. So, um, privilege... I, I'm privileged, and I wouldn't deny that, not because sure. I'm white, because I have a good-paying job. Mm -hmm. But you're privileged, too. Of course So I we am. live near each other in a nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You're rich. You went to an Ivy League school, unlike me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so you're way more privileged than most white Americans. Well, so why would they open but it's not something? Well, first of all, privilege is contingent upon the context in which it's defined. So individual cases could, could have a, an imbalance, that people of color could be way more privileged, as you talked about, than the average, say, white person. 
But remember, during Jim Crow, Jackie Robinson was more privileged than most white people in terms of having the ability to make a good living on a job, but he was still denied access to a water fountain. His kids still couldn't go to the For same sure. school. So I'm saying to you that your argument then seems to be rather uh, vulnerable to rebuff because it doesn't mean economic uh, accumulation can prevent you from experiencing what are essentially uh, racial inequalities. So I think the amount of money you have doesn't do that. Yeah, and in 1955, I think that was much truer than it is now. Well, even right. now, when we talk about uh, the disparities in terms of people's achievement, they, a study was done by Diva Pager at Princeton University that said a black person with a college education had less of a chance to get a job than a white person who had gone to prison. So even now, I'm not talking about 50 years ago, I'm talking okay. about this is going on right now, the disparities are very real. Right. So if I live in eastern Kentucky mm -hmm. and I am unemployed, why am I more privileged than you? And why am I in any way, as you put it, responsible for problems of people I've never met on the other side of the country? Look, I mean, we know that larger forces provide people opportunities or disadvantages. When you come, many people say, let me even stretch it even further. Some people say, look, I came to this country 20 years ago. I came to this country 30 years ago. I didn't, I wasn't advantaged directly by the system of enslavement that prevailed in America. But if you come to this country as an immigrant and you're a white immigrant and you inherit certain privileges associated with people who were already here, that means that that privilege extends to you regardless of the fact that you indirectly benefited from it and you right. did not directly contribute to inequality. The Constitution was written a long time ago, so was the Declaration of Independence. But those ancient documents continue to inform people's lives and shape their aspirations. So uh, let me flip it around. And let me just also note there's a lot of hostility in what you're saying. And I'm sure you'll say there isn't, but obviously there is. Not at all. I think it's pretty clear. It's, that there recogni is. it's recognition of the situation. Well, it's funny how they all have to come to white countries, too, you know? Right, why like, can't they fix their own countries? If you're so mad, right? Why don't you just leave mm -hmm. and do something great in in your heritage yeah. country? Remember that Peter Santanello video? Is that what his name was? If you're watching about yeah. the people in Mississippi. It's so evil. Yeah. Then why'd you stay? Yeah. And not only did they stay, they left to Wyoming and then they came back to Mississippi. Right. Right. <laughs> if it's so bad. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Push back on white this guy's a joke. Clearly hostile. But leaving that aside, I want to flip around for a second. Michael Eric if Dyson. I'm an African immigrant mm -hmm. who comes here, I'm resettled right. from Somalia at public right. expense, mm -hmm. high public expense. Right. Am I do these reparations too? I think that the people who have benefited from uh, systemic inequity in this country have been overwhelmingly white brothers and sisters. So, and what I'm talking about so is now, mm -hmm. in this day and age, when there's all these diversity hires, right? Do we get reparations for now giving up spots that 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 you know? Like if if, if this argument is true, yeah. Or the fact that you know <laughs> there's still slavery going on today, and the right. fact that Americans were slaves as well, held by the Muslims, and right. You know, I'm just, just saying if if, you, if this if this logic is true, then right then. You know, you're just—it just makes no sense. Oh, it's nonsense. Relationship <laughs> to a notable and a documentable and an empirically verifiable system of inequality. There's no, there's nothing uh, that's very obscure about that. And I'm saying to you that people of color who are here now, who have inherited that legacy as a result of their black skin and their relationship to black culture, okay. 
have to be acknowledged. Well, wait, but, but, I mean, but, my book, but my book, my book is not simply about reparations. You're reducing I know, it I know that to one thing. I know that it's, it's not. But so it's, much it's, larger it's heavily and about privilege. That. But let me just I really about we're almost out of it's time. It's about white refusal to acknowledge. If a majority white country well, we have a responsibility. A black African at its own expense. <laughs> mm -hmm. They still owe him reparations for slavery? No, the, I'm talking about the people who are here. That's a that's an isolated event. I'm talking about the mass, the majority of African American people who are here, who are right. part and parcel of what this country has been, and who have built it. In Tears, we cannot stop. If you want to know more about this argument, you can read this. Stop fucking crying, dude. He's just on here yelling so he can sell some books. Yeah, and he thinks that he really is able to convince fucking get people who have so much white guilt that they need to open up a an account to donate money to blacks for reparations it's absolutely insane but uh there's this other video that's making its rounds oh yeah check this out yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna donate some money uh for black people so they can go do this dc mom given 10 1,800 taxpayer-funded lump sum as part of scheme to help poor family spend 6000 on luxury trip to Miami and 15 vacation outfits for her three kids. Kenitha Miller, 27, splurged through 10K intended for impoverished mothers. She shared how she put a majority of her program cash into a luxury Miami trip. Other young moms said they put the windfall into paying down their debts. A Washington, D.C. mom has shared how she splurged most of a $10,000 taxpayer-funded lump sum intended for impoverished mothers on a luxury holiday to Miami. Kenitha Miller, 27, was accepted onto a D.C. government pilot last year as she and her partner have three children and was struggling to make ends meet. The Strong Future program is one of many across the U.S., but the only one to offer cash as a $10,800 lump sum rather than in 12 smaller monthly installments. Miller opted for the former and confessed to the Washington Post that she splurged more than $6,000 of the windfall on a five-night trip to Miami for herself and her children. I wanted to blow it. I wanted to have fun, she said. She said, the spending spree included 15 brand new outfits for her kids, one for each child for each day of the vacation, and a $180 haircut to make her not look like a working stressed mom. Joined by her children's father, they also splashed out on luxury amenities including steak dinners, new gadgets, and toys for her kids, and a boat trip and a boat tour past Miami's most expensive mansions. Look at her. <laughs> Miller justified the extravagance by saying she hoped to inspire her children and teach them that if they work hard too, they too may be able to afford a Miami mansion. <laughs> what did she do for this ten thousand? Oh my goodness. Intended for impoverished mothers. Ugh. Not only Ugh. that, it says Ugh. it says they she brought her baby's father. Right. And not your husband. Who's wearing the pants in that? I mean, my goodness. Miller's Miami vacation included steak dinners, new gadgets for kids, brand new outfits, and a boat passport is most expensive. What the fuck? Uh. While others who shared their stories on the program were more pragmatic, Miller said she splashed through the entire $10,800 in a matter of months and struggled to keep $50 in her savings account. The young mom shared her story as part of a profile into DC's Strong Family, Strong Futures pilot program showing how 
the no-strings-attached money helped very slow-income mothers. It was unveiled by the city's Democrat mayor, Mural Bowsen, and is one of a number of programs set up across the U.S. where those living on a below-the-poverty line are given cash to try and help them achieve a solid financial footing. Almost $1.5 million in taxpayer money was dished out in the program, with 132 mothers selected to receive either monthly payments of $900 or a $10,800 lump sum. Miller opted for the lump sum and said being accepted onto the program was a slice of luck as she missed the application deadline but submitted her paperwork anyway. The stay-at-home mom said her financial struggles worsened when she welcomed her third child in the summer of 2022 but received an array of help including a subsidized two-bedroom apartment in Anacostia. Funds through the temporary assistance to needy families program also helped cover her $120 monthly rent. Where the fuck is she living where she's only paying $120 monthly rent? You can't even come up with 120. Well, food stamps and then you barely get, helped reach the end of the month. And then you get, you can't even come up with $120 for your rent, which is insanely low cost of rent. And then you're gifted almost $11,000. Yeah. And you splurge it all. Right. Going to Miami. Mm hmm. It, yep. And by. I can't even believe this is real. Well, I mean, I can't, but... <laughs> $120 haircut. $180 haircut. That's kind of funny, given that she doesn't have any hair. Um, is that how much this horse hair costs? $180? I know, I'm like... Because what hair was, was there the, to cut? I, I think mean, it was the shaved head. Ugh. But, I mean, you could have done that yourself. Ugh. <laughs> you, you paid 180 for them to shave your head bald. <laughs> ugh. Oh, my God. Gosh. Miller said sky-high inflation left her struggling and was already on an array of food stamps and benefits for the $10,000 windfall. Oof. She is seen playing Uno with another young mother who took part in the Strong Family, Strong Futures pilot program. You know, she did that, though, because she's so used to receiving handouts from all these other programs. In her mind, she's probably like, well, I'll probably get paid more for doing nothing anyway. I didn't have to look like a working, stressed mom, she recalled. She wasn't working in the first before. What the fuck? Some people thought the funds could have been better spent. She maintained that the vacation could help motivate her children for success by showing them the spoils of hard work in the glitzy Florida city. Yeah, but you didn't work hard for it. She added that she had never been taught financial literacy or important lessons on saving cash for a rainy day, something that was offered to her for the first time in the program. This led her to open a savings account, which she, which she said she aims to keep at least fifty dollars in. Although she spent the remaining four thousand dollars in a matter of months, she instead she insisted the funds helped her learn about saving money for the future. I'm sorry, but what the heck is fifty dollars going to do for your future? Good and and how are you teaching kids. your kids anything but horrendous spending issues? A lot of communities in my area don't know the financial gain of credit, saving for your kids. That's why we're broke. That's why we don't have nothing to pass down or no house to give down, Miller said. I'm trying to get to the level where I'm passing something down that really matters so I can be set and my kids can be set and they don't need to push so hard like I'm doing now. Ugh. She's now set for a new remote job that could pay up to $30 an hour. Wow. Fuck. Making more than most people in the trades. Busting their ass for eight hours a day. A new opportunity she credits with the confidence she gained in the program. In comparison, mom Erica James, 34, shared a starkly different approach. 
you know how hard people have to work and how much time and dedication and like hours of learning a skill or a trade you have to most people have to put in to receive this this much money thirty dollars an hour in, right in today's uh but i mean it doesn't even say she's doing it she says she's now set for erica james 34 shared a starkly different approach to saving the money and said her only regret was not spending any of the with windfall on herself so another lady yeah. put away the rest of the money which is like the smart thing to do yeah sorry i'm not opening up a, a reparations account sorry guys yeah not gonna happen yeah. so video this video is making the rounds of this uh study about a a Harvard professor receiving death threats after a study showed no racial bias in police shootings. Um, this may date back to a few years ago, but um, sir said that all her, uh, all, uh, this video is making its rounds right now. On During a sit-down conversation with Barry Weiss of Free Press, Harvard economics professor Roland Fryer discussed the fallout from a 2016 study he published on racial bias in Houston policing. The study found that police were more then twice as likely to manhandle, beat, or use some other kind of non-fatal force against blacks and Hispanics than against people of other races. However, the data also determined that officers were 23.8% less likely to shoot blacks and 8.5% less likely to shoot Hispanics than they were to shoot whites. Wait a minute. What? That so means the narrative. Can you please play? Show his face. Let the audience see his face. There you go. Can you please play the clip, Rob? That ties a little bit interesting, but can you please play the clip? Play this clip here. Go for it. Th listen up, everybody. I had colleagues take me into to the side and say, don't publish this. <laughs> You'll ruin your career. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? I said, what's wrong with it? Do you believe the first part? Goes yes. against the narrative. Do you believe the second part? Well, it's the issue is they just don't fit together. We like the first one, but you should publish the, no the second one another time. We collected millions of observations on uh, everyday use of force that wasn't lethal. We collected thousands of observations on lethal force. And, and it, it was in this moment in 2016 that I realized people lose their minds when they don't like the result. So what my paper showed, you'll see tomorrow, uh, like some of you, uh, was that, yes, we saw some bias in the low-level uses of force every day pushing up against cars and things like that. People seem to like that result. But we didn't find any um, uh, racial bias in police shootings. Now, that was really surprising to me because I expected to see it. The little-known fact is I had eight full-time RAs that it took to do this over nearly a year. When I found the surprising result, I hired eight fresh ones and redid it. Wow. wow. To make sure. For a year, for a double check in the, the work, QC, and I thought guys, it was robust. Guys, and then I went to go give it, and my God, all hell broke loose. It was a 104 page dense academic economics paper with a 150 page appendix, okay? Holy moly. It was posted for four minutes when I got my first email. This is full of shit. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And I wrote back, 
How'd you read it that fast? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Neuralink. You are a genius. <laughs> I lived under under um, police protection for about 30 or 40 days. I had a seven-day-old daughter at the time. I remember going and shopping for it because, you know, when you have a newborn, you think you have enough diapers. You don't. So I, I was going to the grocery store to get diapers with an armed guard. It was crazy. It was really, truly crazy. Are you kidding? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's when people don't, when the narrative isn't there, they mm -hmm. lose their minds. Right. Yeah, the, the amount of money, time, um, you know, references everything that they put into painting white people as this privileged colonizing hateful racist people that has to has a responsibility of taking care of everybody else like it's it's insane like the you just see it you know, yeah. the the programming right it's just in all it's in all kinds the of propaganda. media television shows right <laughs> and this just destroyed it's, it all. Yeah. You know, a black man at that from right. Harvard. You know. Right. Shout out to him. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? He redid it. Yeah. Just to make sure. I wish I had his name here. Um, They said it, but I forgot his name. I'm sure it showed on the screen when yeah. it first started. Let me see if it's here. Brave and honorable professor. Yep. It was just conveniently ignored. Yep. Study's been out for years. It was just conveniently ignored, right? This probably came out before all the rioting and the protests and all that crap. As a black man, I'm glad he's black the way he can talk about racism and bias. It's too bad you have to get armed guards because you point out facts. BLM. Pat, make sure you send this to BLM. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. What a time we're living in. Oh, I believe his name is... Min oh, no, that's one of them. Yeah, uh, Vinny. Let's see. Was there anything else we were going to share? Uh, no, I guess we've been through everything, huh? Yeah. Well, we just went over an hour. Um, Anybody... Want to tap in in the comments section? Yeah, we see you guys watching live. Yeah. <laughs> nice Thanks to for have you. In with us. Yeah, this is another um, another great uh, video of um, Rand Paul going off. Wonder what's up with the Ron Paul. I haven't I haven't seen up seen a Ron Paul much lately. Um, I mean, I'm gonna look it up see if he's been dropping videos. I used to follow this. Probably even shadow banned. Oh, interesting. Ron Paul has a recent video, Invasion of Migrants. What has Biden done? I would really like to uh, catch up on, on the Ron Paul Liberty Report. I was thinking about it earlier. And I, I used to watch all these videos, but I uh, haven't been seeing them lately. Yeah, maybe tomorrow we can have some videos set up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I usually, you know, try to spend time while I'm at work watching these videos and decide what, what it is we're going to talk about. Uh, not watching, I just listen. Cause right. 
that's all I can do. I just got my headphones in and yeah, it's sixty billion for Ukraine, zero for U.S. border. Yep. Last chance for Assange. I wonder what's up with Assange. Definitely gonna have to go through some of these. Let's check this one out real quick. See what uh Ron Paul has to talk about. Ron Paul was what uh kicked the door in to um, begin learning about all this nonsense that's going on in our government. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Skip the intro. Hello, everybody, and thank you for looking for gold to make a quick killing and make a bundle. And I want to see what Ron Paul has to say about that uh, El Salvadorian president. Because Ron Paul was the last uh, candidate who was actually calling out the Fed, saying he was going to end the Federal Reserve. They said, well, we can manage this. We can feed in his fiat money, and the people will be fooled. But uh, we're going to avoid uh, that downturn. Well, it can't be avoided. You can delay it. But eventually, if you distort interest rates, you're going to build a bubble and distortion. And that's where we are. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That makes it even more important, and we understand what's going on, to get as much information as possible. And that is why we advise, that if you're interested, to go to Ron989898 and uh, get the information that will help you look at this from Birch Gold Group. Chris, we do now want to go and talk a little bit about the big issue of the day because political issues have a lot to do with uh, safety, war, spending, and all these things, mm -hmm. which means indirectly uh, it's, uh, it, it reflects on gold. Even, even gold, if there's a, a sudden outburst of violence and looks like a war is brewing, you don't have to wait for the money supply to show, oh, they're printing more money. Just the, the substance of uh, increasing war is a big deal, even though debt is uh, very, very significant. So that's uh, what, what goes on on a daily basis. And right now, the debt is astronomical and getting worse. And there's no sign, zero sign. I don't care who's going to get elected, except for a couple good people you know, into the Congress. But overall, there is not going to be an administration that says, you know, those people over there at RPI, I think they know what they're talking about. We need to cut back. And the people know and understand that. They have to bite the bullet. No way, no way. And they're going to, <clears throat> they're going to want the inflation, the fiat, for as long as possible. And every day, there's some other new promise of some largesse, some more money passed out. You know, even, even the whole thing, the president last week saying, well, we don't want them to have debt. We have to take care of the debt. So we're going to exempt the debt, all the student debt, not all of it, but billions of dollars. Of it. We'll just exempt it and dismiss it. Well, you can't correct the mistakes that are made. They're already built in. And uh, the whole economy has been built in, especially, mm. especially it's been built in more so since 2008 with a mal malinvestment and distortion of interest rates. So we should expect a lot more trouble. But on top of this is the immigration problem. The immigration... 2008 was when you ran for president. Ron Paul did? Yeah. I turned 18. That was the first election, the first time I ever voted. First and last time I ever voted. Yeah. 2008? Yeah, everyone was voting for uh, Obama. And I was like, no, fuck that. Ron Paul. All the um, military 
backed Ron Paul. He wanted to end the war in in Iraq, um, Afghanistan, bring the troops back, uh, switch up. It had to have been a foreign little policy. later. Mm, no, 2008. You're not that much older than me, and I was only 11. I don't. Ron Paul. <laughs> 2008. Nope, it was 2008. Maybe you are that much older than me then. Six years? You were born in 96, I was born in 90. Right. Yeah, 17, 18. So. Yeah. Wow. It's a big jump. It, 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 it is. It's a crazy time we were living in. Sheesh. Yeah. But, um, wow. So you remember that, huh? Yeah, big time. I was. Pu- Pulling for Ron Paul. Yeah. Tough. And the media was blackballing him, wasn't giving him any um any any time, you know, right, just any like coverage. And there was huge signs like, you know, Ron Paul revolution all over the place, but the media yeah. was acting like he was nothing, like you know, wasn't being invited to any of the debates. It was it was insane. Weren't even letting him play. Yeah. Wow. Croatian problem. Uh, is also a political and economic event, and uh, immigration is a big deal. And he was president, where Biden, you know, he he, yeah. like if my yeah, you know, but I mean he yeah, he's so right, and just printing money law. and there's nothing to back it up. Right. Yeah, I would really like to see what he has to say about the El Salvadorian president. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up with that one. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we'll be back soon. This is a song by uh, Payday Monsanto and the Fed. So what is the Stay national safe out there. debt? When government spends more than it collects in taxes, it has to borrow the difference by selling interest-bearing IOUs, such as U.S. bonds. When a U.S. bank buys a $100 U.S. bond, it gets to loan out 10 times that amount. So the bank not only gets back the $100 plus interest from the federal government, it gets to loan out another $1,000 it doesn't have and charge additional interest. Banks are allowed to create this extra money out of thin air. So, banks aren't making only 6% interest, for example. They are really making over 1,000% interest. That's why bank buildings are the biggest in every town on the planet. This system of lending way more than you have is called fractional reserve lending. Almost all our money is created by banks, lending it to people, to companies, or to government. As we'll see, there is a better way for a government to get money. Simply issue it without debt for the benefit of all citizens equally.
We will not be so 
And who got the money? Hundreds and hundreds of banks. Any bank or that has uh, access to the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve's discount. You tell us who they are. No. A government should never go into debt. It doesn't need to go into debt. A government can issue the money it needs. Yes, sir. Shout out to Payday Monsanto. Well, I, there was a book about that, about the uh, Federal Reserve. I think it was... Checo uh, um, Island... Um, book... I forgot what it's called. Um, oh, yeah, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Check that out. Second look at the Federal Reserve. Also, I check out... I was going to read the excerpt. Oh, yeah, go ahead and read the excerpt. It says this... Show the screen. This is a classic expose of the Fed that has become one of the best-selling books in its category of all time. Where does money come from? Where does it go? Who makes it? The money's magician secrets are unveiled. I wonder if there's a there's got to be an an audio book of that. I'm sure. It was written in 1998, I believe. Yeah. Another good one to check out is Against Our Better Judgment by Allison Ware. Mm -hmm. I was reminded of this book earlier again when um, Burkle, is that what his name was? The El Salvadorian president? Yeah. He was talking about um, taking back all these different positions uh, that have been compromised, basically. Within the government? Within the government. And he he named the judicial system as well. Um, getting rid of all the corrupt judges, politicians. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, such. so much has been infiltrated in this country. Yeah. Where it no longer has the... Um, best interest in mind for the American people. It's yeah. for themselves. Oh, it's so clear. If, uh, you know, if we actually went by the Constitution, these people's heads would have been on a stake a long time ago because they're right. treasons, treasonist. Right. Um, puppet, puppets, basically. Against our better judgment, the hidden history of how the U.S. was used to create Israel. Prodigiously documented, Allison Weir must be highly com commended for throwing such a brilliantly hard light on the relationship between the United States and Israel. I hope this marvelous book gets all the attention it deserves. Ambassador Andrew Kilgore. Soon after World War II, U.S. statesman Dean Ackeson warned that creating Israel on land already inhabited by Palestinians would imperil both American and all Western interests in the region. Despite warnings such as this one, President Truman supported establishing a Jewish state on land primarily inhabited by Muslims and Christians. 
Few Americans today are aware that U.S. support enabled the creation of modern Israel. Even fewer know that U.S. politicians pushed this policy over the forceful objections of top diplomatic and military experts. As this work demonstrates, these politicians were bombarded by a massive pro-Israel lobbying effort that ranged from well-funded and very public Zionist organizations to an elitist secret society whose members included Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandles. Against Our Better Judgment brings together meticulously sourced evidence to illuminate a reality that differs starkly from the prevailing narrative. It provides a clear view of the history that is key to understanding one of the most critically important political issues of our day. This provocative book documents a history that is essential in understanding today's world. Scholarly, yet readable, it is a must for all Americans. Senator James Aberizek. If you never read another book, read this one, The Daily Cost Diaries. Uh, shout out to my friend Ian. Uh, put me on to these books, or this book. I've known about uh, the creature on Jekyll Island for quite a while. Like I said, you know, it started with Ron Paul, um, who spoke out against the Federal Reserve uh, banking system, um, which led me to learn about Zionism. And then, you know, over the years, dug deeper into that and found out about, you know, what Zionism really was and uh, who these culprits really are. And 9-11 had a large impact on me, obviously, because um, it was a critical time in my life when I was coming of age, becoming an adult, was thinking about going into war, like joining the military and fighting for my country, but and that's when I, I learned that we were just being used, you know? Yeah. And uh, I wasn't going to go die for Israel, so. Yeah, there's that. Um, let's see, anything else that I wanted to touch on? I'm trying to see if anything comes to mind right now um, that I wanted to talk about today. I think that's about it. Mm. Oh, yeah, we uh, we we talked about the Mothers for Freedom. Is that what it was? Mothers for Children Rights. What was her name? Um, oh, um, Justice. Tiffany Justice. Tiffany Justice. That was a great interview. Um, I guess, you know, it would just be harping if we were to continue talking about um, stuff that the point she makes in that interview because we've already made it so many times. But it's a great interview. I highly recommend you check that out. All interviews on the PBD podcast are just so informational and valuable. That's hence the name, Valuetainment. Go check those out. Um, I hope you guys, you know, had fun watching this episode and gained some knowledge and, you know, absorbed some of this um, truth that we're sharing and uh until next time yeah hope to see you for episode number seven yep episode number seven number six was great um again that was uh payday monsanto um yeah make sure you guys follow us on gab run rumble odyssey <clears throat> yep follow us everywhere yeah thanks for the support until next time over and out.